Welcome to Wiggly Neurosis. Maybe I don't act the way I used to Cause I don't feel the same about you In fact, that's a lie I want you And I race through soundcheck Just to meet you On your fight break you convince me to I hope it works. I'm hoping and praying, like yeah. the U.S. women's gymnastics team. God, God bless those women. They're coming. It's. I didn't realize the Summer Olympics is coming up pretty no, quick. Yeah, that's true. And I'll probably watch like a little. Probably watch like basketball, and then it'll be like U.S. won 190 to 80. And yeah. I'll be like, cool. That's it. But anyhow, this is the drive episode. Pretty good episode. I think so. It was, a, again, we always say that, but we're very enthusiastic about things like films and music. That's well, we don't we, want to record a bad episode. That's true. We're not. If, if you start out an episode and you're like, this is going to suck, sucks. turn it off. Yeah, that's it, because it's not going to be fun. You don't, yeah, listen. But um, our theme was drive, so we saw the movie The Nice Guys, which has a lot of driving, cars. And, and Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling, who's in the movie Drive. That's right. And then um, also we listened to Catfish and the Bottleman, The Ride, mm-hmm. obviously from the title, related to cars, gears. And then our uh, beer of the week is Fixed Gear. It's an American red IPA from Lakefront Brewery. Yeah, it is. Out of Milwaukee. We've actually toured this brewery together. Oh, that's right. Cool place. It was. It's kind of like the typical factory turned brewery well if you ever go there in milwaukee and you do the tour they tell you the whole history about how wasn't it it used to be a like a coal facility of some sort and they bought it from the the city of milwaukee for a dollar because they were going to demolish it and uh, it's got a kind of a cool history um and it's kind of a neat kind of open place that uh, i believe can be rented out for parties and weddings and stuff like that yeah kind of you usually i think we start the uh tour and kind of like a like a ballroom yeah, it's type like a, thing. It's like a converted. it's like a converted warehouse kind yeah. of. Yeah, but it's um yeah that's a I, that story has repeated itself. I don't know how many times in the beer world of there's this building we're getting ready to demolish so mm-hmm. made it into a brew. It's like yeah, but yeah this is uh Lakefront Brewery and we'll get the the notes from the brewer here. Mm-hmm. Um, this I, is I think we both have have had this before yeah. too, right? And I I had this at a fireman themed bar in Milwaukee that I stumbled into. Not, I, let me rephrase that, that I walked into. Okay. I wasn't like super drunk. That's what I was picturing. I was going to ask. But yeah, I was uh, I was just out on uh, Water Street and there's a fireman themed bar. In Eau Claire? In, uh, in Milwaukee. Because in Eau Claire, there's like a bar called like the Firehouse that used to be a, like a, a you know, a fire house. Or oh, that they converted. <laughs> yeah, into yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's cool, cool too. Yeah. yeah. But um, fixed gear is inspired inspired by the energy and audacity of the fixed gear courier uh, lakefront brewery ran smack into this arresting creation fixed gear is a big bold american red ipa it pours glaring crimson tone with rocky white head 
That sounds <laughs> Sorry. Jesus. I have a dark mind. In a brilliant floral citrus aroma, thanks to an aggressively dry hopping, its immodest, multi-spine, and intrepid caramel flavors blow in via gratuitous amounts of two-row pale and dark caramel malts. A balanced citrus bite comes from the Chinook and Cascade hops, mm. followed by shortly followed shortly by mild fruity esters from the Yale East. Weighing in at a mean 6.8% ABV and 54 IBUs, this one's got attitude. Yeah, and it's definitely like a super malty IPA. Yeah, right? I think that's what the color is from. Right. Well, and I think that's really what they're going for, and it's a good balance. I actually almost think that, I mean, d- despite its kind of low ABV, it's got so much flavor that it almost, it's kind of tricking me into thinking it's an imperial almost because it's so aggressively malty, and then it's aggressively hoppy and bitter. Yeah. But it's really good. Yeah, I, I, I really like this beer. Yeah, I like it too. Cool. Now there's something special from Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lake Front makes a lot of good beers, too, and this is one of my favorites of theirs. Yeah, they have a traditional IPA that I like, mm-hmm. and then they have a black IPA. Um, I'm trying to think what else. And those are their, th- I think they're Don't, They do ones. a coffee-infused stout, I believe, as well. And they have, like, a one of those limited-release um, Black Friday beers, too, that are people are going gaga What about. is that? Well, it's like there's, I think, um, oh, what's that? Goose Island Brewery started it. Okay. And every Black Friday, people go and wait at the stores for beers. Uh, the big thing now is you go to a brewery and you get these special release, one-of-a-kind beers. Hmm. Um, usually, they tend to go around the um, like whiskey barrel stouts where they've aged them in a, a whiskey barrel. So, they're real time. specialty. Yeah. That's cool, though. Yeah. So, I think they kind of follow. Might be wrong. I know um, a lot of brewers are doing that, though. Awesome. So um, for drive, our definition of the word, um, it's a verb, also can be used as a noun. Uh, our definition is the op- operate and control the direction and speed of a motor vehicle. Um, and the second one is propel or carry along by force in a specified direction. So what does drive mean to you? Well, I mean, the first thing I think of is the movie Drive because I love it. But yeah. I get past that. And I was a, del- a pizza delivery driver for two and a half years yeah. when I was in school and just after. And, um, you know, I drove every day a long time. And that's sort of the first thing that comes to mind for me. But, uh, I mean, I I kind of have a love-hate thing with driving because I kind of like it because I like being in control of a car and, you know, being able to pick music and everything, especially when it's nice out. But, um at the same time, it can be a real pain, especially I, I commute 30 minutes to work and then from work every day. So I have an hour on the road and I drive on a pretty nasty highway that there's always construction on and people are driving really fast, blah, blah, blah. So I think driving can be peaceful. It can be, I don't know, it can be stressful too. It can be a lot of things. Some people are like afraid of it. Some people never do it. Some people have to do it all the time. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I guess my so when I think of the word drive, I think of cars, but obviously it can have other meanings, too. If you have drive in your life or you're motivated or if you're playing golf or something, mm-hmm. I guess those are all things. Yeah. Driver. Right? That's what I think of. A lot of stuff. How about you? Same boat. I honestly, the first thing I think of is the Ryan Gosling movie Drive, because that, too, is one of my favorite films. It it's sticks aw- with you. I mean, it's awesome. It sticks with you. It's an awesome movie. It is. Yeah. I'd recommend watching it if you get the opportunity and you love Ryan Gosling, which lots of people love Ryan Gosling. Uh, but also too, yeah, driving, I think of driving in cars. I think driving something, it's so mundane. 
you know, it's something we all technically have to do to get to work. Most of us that don't live in major cities where we can take the subway or a bus to work. <laughs> um, that's what I, yeah, I think of that. And I, th- I instantly, for when I think of driving, I think of music. Oh, sure. I'm never in my car without music or a podcast playing. Do you think it's something we take for granted too with how easy it is? Yeah, yeah. And considering um, I actually a while back studied like the original cars and how troublesome they were mm-hmm. and how you could ju- and just, they broke down all the time. There were no roads for them to ride on. There was made for carriages. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was a totally different experience. And even in the like 1950s and 60s, the, you know, soundproofing of cars was horrible. The safety on cars was horrible. Mm-hmm. And, and in that time, up until like probably the 80s, if you had like a car accident, you were... You're done. Done. Like I if you're going more than like 45 miles an hour, that was it. Yeah. And I think if you look at st- like accident st- statistics, at least in the U.S., like the peak of the worst, like the most deaths per year was like in the mid 80s. And that's mm-hmm. when they really started to focus on uh, safety in cars. Yeah. Which and, is good. Yeah. And you're listening to a guy who got in a car accident going 90 miles an hour. You did that? I did that. How, and didn't I know, how don't I know this? Yeah. It was a true story. And right on the belt line, 1218. I, was I don't know what that being is. A, uh, it's the main highway that cuts through Madison. Okay. And goes from, it goes from east to west. So it goes if you're. So it's fast. It's a fast yeah, highway. It was well, a 65, but I was being a nut job <laughs> and going 90. And yeah survive that well that's good so but yeah it's yeah it, cars driving it's technically dangerous technically not i think with people make it into something more than what it is well sometimes i think about how every day i drive 20 miles to work and then 20 miles home mm-hmm. you know give or take and i'm like man 150 years ago 20 miles that would be like a day's journey yeah unless you were booking it on a horse or something yeah crazy it is and i, I think it's just so such a simple thing to us now, which is amazing mm-hmm. when you consider where we've come from. And yeah, drive. cars drive. Ryan good, G- good movie. I, I'm gonna watch that. <laughs> that and Star Wars this weekend. Oh, nice. Awesome. So on to our, our initial high priority news items. Uh, HBO's True Detective, per rumors, may be over, uh, but overall, another good show. They had an awesome first season, second season. I like better than season one, which is an extremely unpopular yeah, opinion. Yeah, you're. I think you're in the one percent on that. I don't one. care. I was. I was lukewarm to it. I'll put it that way. I will. I would put money down and argue with anybody that season two has a significantly more satisfying finale than season one, which I feel was a massive cop out. And we could talk about this for a long time, but I think season one as a whole has better characters. But it wraps up its story in sort of the loosest way, and then you realize in the last episode that ninety percent of the story was just red herrings and stuff to get people talking, which is fine, but it kind of led nowhere with this kind of lame, spoiler, happy ending that just kind of felt tacked on, while season two didn't have as strong of characters, but I thought it wrapped things up. It was a complete chapter. Yeah. Or I think act, I, I know a lot, know? Of, a lot of people would disagree, and I get it because I think season one is, is, is a masterpiece. I think season two is, is fantastic as well. I think it's a season two that was really hated on, and I think it'll be a cult show kind of deal, especially now that we probably won't get a third season from it. Yeah. Which I think I, I, my, my, my initial reaction is bummed out, but reading about why this happened, it bums me out less because they didn't, they're not doing a season three because people disliked season two so much because I think even on the whole, despite the reputation it's getting, season two was pretty well received. 
it wasn't a home run like season one was, but people in general and critics in general seem to like it, right? But it sounds like it was canned because the guy who is in control of HBO for like three decades, he's out, a new guy's in, new guy doesn't want to do it anymore. I think it's kind of a wasted opportunity on the other hand because with a show like True Detective that's an anthology series, it's it's sort of a, a, a unique limitless idea, right? So the fact that they don't want to do any more seasons is confusing to me because even though season two wasn't that well received by people, you, you I mean, season three would be totally different. So I don't know why they want to sort of cut down the concept. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we talked about this off air and kind of how HBO has gone over time. Mm-hmm. And I think this is another, you look at their major hit right now is Game of Thrones. It has mm-hmm. a huge cult following. Prior to that, I don't know that Sopranos was the most recent one, but if you look at Sopranos, Sopranos sucks in the city, and those two, those were like mega hits. Yeah, Sopranos didn't have the movie, you know, that Sex in the City had, but the two movies, yeah, huge, huge following. Mm-hmm. You know, that and there was something that, you know, transcended TV at the time and, and kind of, you know, took just you know ascended them, and obviously their subscriptions because this is premium cable we're talking about, right? So, and I think they're kind of going towards that again, where Game of Thrones is going to be the it's their flagship. major flagship. But even film. that is coming to a close. They're saying seven, eight season max for mm-hmm. that. And that, I mean, they're on season six right now. So, and, and I think with them, they need to have seasonal flagships, you know, where it's mm-hmm. right now we're in summer, Game of Thrones is on. Come fall, it's show two. Come. They had Boardwalk Empire for a while too, yeah. but that oh, I haven't seen it, so I can't speak to this, but I've heard from a lot of people that it fizzles a bit. Uh, 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 again, True Detective is another example of a show that didn't quite take off to the huge heights they were hoping it would, so that's one of the reasons it's not... Uh, going to go on anymore so allegedly this could i could see a world where this isn't permanent news yet but i'm mm-hmm. not going to hold my breath and i think the best example of a show of theirs that sort of just tanked was vinyl yeah <laughs> and that was a show I, i've heard it was it's pretty decent but it didn't get viewers and it was lukewarm uh it was lukewarm in its reception at best and my my response to it because i watch i watch all the did HBO you watch shows, all the vinyl yeah was that it didn't like and it's weird because I don't. Sorry, I don't. I don't know that it was uh, that another show's done that, and done that type of historical piece in terms of like the nineteen seventies music scene or eighties music scene. That, yeah, I don't. I don't know what it's about even. But I just feel like I'd I'd seen it before. Like sure. it was like, oh, this has been done before. Okay. And I was like, oh, great seen, cast. Yeah, too. great one amazing cast. But it just, I, I didn't. It didn't quite jump up there and girls too girls is another hbo oh, show that's true that's that, not that's not i mean that's popular but it's more of a niche that's an indie show sure, like big time big time indie show well, lena dunham yeah she, and i enjoy it but i've never seen that either i'm a, i'm like probably the the one guy no in the world no there's tons of guys to watch but no it's yeah it's a it, that's another show that could never gain matt could not gain mass appeal if it right. unless they well, even True Detective, as much as people go off about season one, like that's a show as great as it is that a lot of people will be very turned off even by season one that seems to be universally praised because it's super dark. It's super violent. It's super depressing. It's super heady and philo- philosophical in part. And, and season two maybe wasn't as philosophical, but it was still thematically just molasses thick. Mm-hmm. And super dark, and that doesn't, that's not like Game of Thrones, while it's certainly dark and violent, I think there's such a wide variety of characters, and there's there's humor, and there's just so, it's just so embedded in our pop culture that that's, that's it is a phenomenon. 
in something like True Detective, it's more of a niche thing. Yeah. And I think part of True Detective's season two kind of fallout, if you will, mm-hmm. was was due to the fact that they had a huge kind of, I don't want to say it was a, a mass following of season one, but it had a, a lot of news behind it and a lot of media sure. coverage. And I think so many people watch season two without watching season one. I think the opposite is true. Uh, I, I just I got the sense based on the headlines and, and a lot of the you know comments that I was seeing on Facebook that it was that people didn't weren't really no I think no I think you're wrong because I think what happened was the only thing I read especially for the first two or three episodes all the negative reviews from fans and critics alike was saying this doesn't hold a, a candle to Matthew McConaughey or Woody Harrelson's interactions and I'm like. Well, it's totally different. And I think a lot of it, people just couldn't get over that Matthew McConaughey wasn't it because True Detective was sort of his home run at the end of him just winning an Oscar. And then he was doing this. It was sort of at the peak of his popularity. And not that he's not popular anymore, but that was sort of the peak of where he was going. And I'm saying from a like a, like a fan perspective, like well, a viewer perspective. Because well, right. I think they, they attached the concept of Matthew McConaughey, True Detective. And that was kind of the the hit for. I'm not talking about critics, more so the, you know, general viewing public latched onto a concept, and I don't think it really w- was for everybody to begin with because I think they thought Matthew McConaughey mass appeal, well, and it's I'm really saying. not. You know, I think if if season two of True Detective would have been the first season, it would not have the super negative, uh, uh connections it, it has right now i think right. i think if season one didn't exist and season two of true detective was the first season i don't think it would have been as big of a hit as season one but it would not have been like this people labeling it this massive disappointment because i don't care i've heard this from so many people saying it's a terrible season i'm sorry like if you think that's bad poorly written poorly acted i think you're crazy i think it's super well done it's better than most of the stuff out there and just because it couldn't quite live up for in a lot of people's minds to what the formula they had in season one, it was unfairly criticized for that, which is why I think in the future when people are rediscovering it or discovering it for the first time, they're going to be more forgiving of it because we're not, people aren't going to be riding that wave of Matthew McConaughey is the greatest actor in the world, period. And yeah. that, that's just how, it, that was the, the sense that I got. But I, I get it. I, I'm not going to sit here and like try to convince people that season two is better. I personally liked it more. I think it's, I think it's more satisfying as a whole. But... I mean, I do get it. It's super downer. It's it was hard to follow. It's dark. It's dark. It, it had none of like the the sort of humor and wit that Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson made. And I think a lot of people are attracted to that kind of thing. There was none of that in season two, so I get it. But I, I just for me, I felt like it painted a, a bigger, more satisfying picture. And by the end, I was like, that's what happens in real life. This is yeah. how these stories end in real life. They don't walk away looking up at the stars, going like, glad we made it, like season one did. And I, I just. I just feel like that was a cop-out. and So how, what they did with season two was just more satisfying to me. Yeah. And I think the reality of it is that 10 years from now when people are like, oh, True Detective was awesome, Netflix is going to pick it up and bring it back. Always oh, yeah. happens, man. <laughs> yeah, we're in a whole new thing where that can happen. Always now. happens. But think of how many shows are already probably going to be doing this. I mean, there's a, what is it? on? It's on network. I don't know what channel it's on. Amer- American Crime? Yeah. That's yeah. the same concept. Same difference, yeah. The American Horror Story, same concept, Which that and that was around before True Detective even. It's not like this anthology thing is a new concept. But I think the takeaway is that with season three of True Detective not happening, at least now, 
I think it just shows that HBO is sort of sort of struggling a bit. Yeah, I think so too. And in the continuum of of premium channels, you know, it sounds kind of elite, but but no, I think I, and there's like Showtime, HBO, Stars. I think the big battles between Showtime and HBO, but mm-hmm. yeah, they'll probably launch another big flagship show here, hopefully in the next couple of years, because Game of Thrones will end. I think a lot of people are, honestly, the common folk might think that it's going to go like 15 or 16 seasons, and that just doesn't happen. I've even, and I can't speak towards this, but I've heard that this season so far has been kind of a downswing compared to last one outside of an episode or two that were real amazing yeah i think they're kind of uh, and I, well I the, you can only with a story like that especially when they have an end in sight you can only build it up so much and it's sort of time for a show like that to start you know closing up its stories and start leading it in a direction that's different and you know i think a lot of shows fall into this where when you get to the last couple of seasons there's very few shows ever if any that i can think of that people say got better and better and better and better and ended on a high note almost every series no matter how popular have finales series finales or final seasons that people were like well it wasn't the best because i think it's hard to end a show especially when you have that many characters it is yeah i think the sopranos and again i'm a massive sopranos fan so i'm a bit biased but i think they I think they did wind like wind to a finish well, but the ending wasn't satisfactory. That's what I hear, and I think my favorite show is Lost, and obviously that's got a big reputation yeah. for having a, a poor ending. Um, you know, I think Breaking Bad might be an exception because I do think you it, know that's and that's when I I hardly a series as I stare at the poster right in front of me um, I, a series I I hardly ever think of like oh is that a major like that AMC. That and Mad Men like made that network mm-hmm. kind of, but yeah, you know I think that might be one where you do get kind of the full circle ending. Mm-hmm. But I will say, without spoiling the end of Breaking Bad, that um, I think it's a great ending. But I think it's sort of they played it safe. But in order to this kind of goes back to what we were just saying about satisfying every audience member is impossible and. Breaking Bad did it the best. It didn't necessarily take a lot of risks, which I think is maybe the right thing to do because you see something like Lost that does something real weird and people don't like it. Yeah. The Sopranos, I know how it ends. I've never seen it, but real weird. People didn't like it. They were like, what? They were confused. Breaking Bad, nice bow at the end of it, and that's pretty satisfying. Yeah. True Detective, doesn't matter. Cause... Doesn't matter because there was no ending. Because <laughs> there's an anthology. <laughs> Just <laughs> waiting for the, the Netflix pick up that's gonna be that's just gonna be the every show throughout y- your you and i's life that got like dropped that had like a slight cult following and now a lot of people are like oh i wish they'd bring that back it's gonna be on netflix we'll even look at breaking bad we had there's better call Saul out now that's yeah. a spinoff even lost i think Dude, better lost, call Saul is great though they will i've never seen it. They will do they and I'm telling you in the next ten years, Lost will have like some weird they have spinoff. To. They have because they don't. I well, don't there's think. that show is so hugely popular. Well, and that's the thing. It's still one of the most popular, despite what people say or hear about the ending. It's still one of the most popular shows ever. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I do feel like they'll do some weird spinoff or something, which I dread. Jack's son or something. If you don't know, well, you know who Jack is. He's one of the main characters main of Lost. Sh- Jack Shepard, the he's, main he's, shepherd of the he's group. He's a surgeon. He has trouble letting go. <laughs> of anything. Yes. <laughs> no, but that's cool. Yeah, they, they'll just keep bringing him back. But 
That's weird, man. Yeah. Full Ur house. And then something new, like vinyl, fails. Sucks. Something new, like True Detective season one and two, can't after two seasons. People, but, I just, I think people have such a short fuse for TV. It's like, you know, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Well, based on a novel. Let's bring out something original. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's me and you do it. Let's We're gonna do write it. a show. We're gonna think about it in the break. Weekly Neurosis, the show. The show. It's just two grown men drinking beer in a basement. It's basically what Brew Dogs is. I don't know if that is. Either. Like the TV show. I don't know if they even have a TV show anymore. They probably got canceled. Good God. I don't have anything to watch on TV. All right. Well, when we come back, though, we're going to go over our movie of the week, which is The Nice Guys with Ryan Gosling from the movie Drive. This is the episode Drive. We can rest. We'll be right back. I don't want you. ready yeah all right we're doing the nice guys which is a brand new release semi new several weeks oh brand new brand new by all by all definitions so the plot is a mismatched pair of private eye in eyes investigate the apparent suicide of a fading porn star in 1970s los angeles Uh, the cast was russell crowe ryan gosling aguari rice matt Bomer, Bomber. Bomber. I have no idea. <laughs> Margaret Qualley, Keith David, and Kim Bassinger. Bassinger. Uh, the crew uh, was directed by Shane Black. It was produced by Joel Silver. It's weird, two colors for the last names. Uh, written by Shane Black and Anthony Barzoni. The music by David Buckley, John Ottman, and uh, cinematography by Philip Felipe. Felipe Rosup. Rosalot. Rosalot? Sure. The uh, filming locations, which kind of surprised me, we'll talk about that. Uh, the principal uh, photography began on August 27, 2014, in Atlanta and Decatur, Georgia. Filming also took, took place, but only partially in Los Angeles, as I mentioned before. The film's based in Los Angeles. Um, and I know it's Warner Brothers. Um, didn't surprise anyone unless you're in the branding world, but they used the old logo that they used from 1972 to 1984, featuring the Big W logo, which was in the opening portion of the film. Mm-hmm. Interesting film. Ethan, what did you think of this? Well, um, I was pumped to see this because the director, uh, Shane Black, I'm a big fan of this dude. He's been writing movies since like the 80s. He did like the Lethal Weapon movies, The Last Boy Scout, a bunch of awesome movies. He directed Iron Man 3, which is a movie I like, and he directed a movie called Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is amazing if you have never seen it. So I was pumped for this, and I was not let down. I think this might be my favorite of his movies that he's directed at least. Uh, but, man, I really liked this. It was it was sort of everything I expected from it. It was, like, hilarious. I mean, it, this is one of the funniest movies I've seen in a couple of years, I think. It was super funny. 
it had a decent enough story that it kept me engaged. Uh, I love the characters in it. I love like the 1970s settings with all the cars and the outfits and the music and all that stuff. Um, it had a great sense of style and it was just razor sharp. I, I mean, I had a blast w with this movie for the most part, even though, you know, I have a couple of things uh, that maybe hold me back from like absolutely like loving this without any reservations but just dogging it i had a really really good time with this movie and ugh, i, I want to see it again so what did you think about that i was in the same boat um i thought even though it, it did did follow like a pretty predictable private eye spy track there's a lot of unpredictable spots and those unpredictable spots happen to be humor which mm -hmm. is not i i came in expecting kind of a, a funny movie but more straightforward and it was it was more off the path in terms and there's a lot of dark really dark humor mm -hmm. which I, I absolutely love but same as you i love the 1970s feel they, they really captured that well um and yeah i've i've liked a lot of stuff this guy has produced yeah i mean that yeah definitely the humor in this movie i was really especially if you've seen kiss kiss bang bang and if you haven't yeah you should definitely see it it's very similar almost to a fault um, in that it follows like the two kind of mismatched dudes trying to solve this mystery. This is this movie's less tongue in cheek than Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and I think it's maybe a little bit more straightforward. But yeah, the humor in this movie is really what sets it apart. Because I totally agree that the story in this movie is sort of standard. I mean, it's complicated enough, and the characters are good enough that you're like, I need to see what happens. But I mean, that, I guess I'll get my big negative out of the way. Is that the like the, what I didn't like about this movie was like how they resolved the story and sort of the end of it was sort of like a there you go. And it was I, I really kind of was scratching my head like what was the point of that? Not necessarily in a oh that's really interesting. I want to think about it kind of way. This movie is very character based, and the humor comes almost exclusively from the interactions of Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling, and they're absolutely hysterical. Hysterical, and the daughter. I think that's the Angori Rice or whatever. Yeah. She, I thought she added a huge element to it, big time, and she was great. Another, we've talked about kid actors. This is a great kid actor. Oh, absolutely! Performance. I thought she was more serious the whole time, so she didn't throw show a whole bunch of depth, but she was still. Mm -hmm. She kind of plays the you know somewhat on paper. It sounds typical. Uh, how she's like the thirteen. I think she's supposed to be thirteen in the movie, and she's sort of smarter than most kids her age and she swears and because her dad i mean ryan gosling is her father in this and uh you know he's a hard ass and he's a he's they imply that he's an alcoholic but it's not really a problem necessarily they apply <laughs> they apply to that um that russell crowe's character is an alcoholic too or used to or be or used to be or something but yeah, they kind of just like you know like a typical spy movie they just kind of brush over yeah there was a like, lot yeah. there was a lot of that kind of stuff going on which is what what made this so cool was seeing like you know i was rooting for these characters despite them maybe not being the the best people in the world i think you do see them sort of go through some sort of change throughout this movie you know at the end again with the, the sort of revelation in the story with where it ends and how it all ends up i was sort of like oh okay i guess yeah. it is what it is i guess that's okay but i didn't really care that much because oh, of the, at that point yeah it was so funny and i think another thing that made this movie so much fun to watch was how intense it was was how it there's there's a lot of action in it and it's not like you know civil war batman versus superman type action it's very 
you know, realistic shooting. You know, some of it's sort of clever and co- coincidences with, you know, characters following or falling all over the place over each other. And there's one really hilarious scene near the end where Ryan Gosling's characters, he's after something and he keeps falling and falling through like different window. I mean, it was just so clever, Hysterical. some of that stuff. Yeah. And I thought that, yeah, like you said, it, it could be dark too, where it was really funny, but then you're watching like these action scenes. It's like these people are dying. Like people are getting shot and stabbed. It's mm-hmm. crazy. And also too, um, to comment on the 1970s feel of it, like the downtrodden moments in this film felt like the downtrodden moment, moments from like a 1970s film was kind of like the mystical music playing and they're kind of like leaned up against their car like oh you know and it's just like that's so typical that that genre if you're familiar with it mm-hmm. and and there's a lot of that and music ties into it too in this in this mm-hmm. movie but big time yeah love the feel but i think the humor the, and specifically the dark humor and again won't spoil any of that but there's like little it's this very tiny precise moments that you have to catch and and but it's so funny Really fun. The the falling scene is without question the funniest. Next to one that you and I both <laughs> there there was a, we won't say exactly what it was, but there was a moment we saw it with a, a pretty much packed theater, right? Yeah. And um, there, which is pretty surprising for Appleton. Yeah. Like that surprise. I'm so sort of very surprised at that. Yeah, but there there was a moment where something that me and you thought was hilarious, and we were yeah. laughing, but I don't think anybody else in the theater was laughing. But there was like a lot of, I actually kind of got the sense that a lot of people in the theater maybe weren't real into it, which kind of kind of baffles me a little bit because this really is that sort of buddy, odd couple type movie that's so popular. Something Melissa McCarthy would do or that movie Hot Pursuit, that really terrible movie with uh, Reese Witherspoon and that, uh, what's her name from uh, Sofia Vergara, mm-hmm. uh, like anything um, Kevin Hart would do. Those those type of movies are popular and generally pretty funny. So this movie, I think, does a lot of those things, but does it better. Yeah, so, it was very smart. Yeah, and there's a lot. Very, it's very it's not like this is this isn't like Hail Caesar type humor, right? Where it's not a lot of highbrow references. There's some of that in there, but a lot of it's slapstick. There's a scene. This isn't a spoiler where Ryan Gosling goes to break into this bar. And he like punches the glass and cuts his wrist on accident so bad that he has to like call the ambulance. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's stuff like that. It's I mean, there's lots of slapstick stuff with him falling or he's caught in the toilet and he can't do that. I mean, so I guess, I don't know. It, it was sort of the perfect blend of that I kind think, of humor. Well, yeah, with that type, with, with humor in a movie, there has to be a blend of it. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's something you can just take one path and just, because then you're humping something to death, you know, so you need sure. to kind of blend it. And this movie blended it really well. Yeah, and well, it has to be. It had to be kind of dark humor because ultimately, there's murder involved. There's, you know, death and mm-hmm. and all all that. So right, and I think that's why I sort when I compare it to Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. If you haven't seen it, whatever, I would recommend it. And it doesn't take away from this movie, but like I said, it's sort of similar to that movie to a fault. Where, I mean, it's really similar in that two mismatched people on this murder thriller mystery and there's a there's a girl that's helping him out and all this stuff and so i you know the director is maybe pretty comfortable with this but you know it's only his third movie so i think he's really found a a strength as a filmmaker so i hope he sort of takes these elements and branches out and like i said he did iron man 3 which is totally different yeah but i I yeah but you know to talk about negatives because as much as i like this i do think I have to put it a notch behind some of the other movies we saw this year because 
I think up until the last like 10 minutes, I was thinking like, man, this is one of the better movies I've seen this year. But um, again, with the story, how it was resolved, I kind of felt like, well, next time I watch this, I'm going to just be totally ignoring the story because it doesn't matter that much. And also, um, another big negative was Kim Bassinger. Is, uh, she plays like, what was she? She worked for the government in some capacity. Yeah, she's like a... She, I thought she was really bad in this. She was. And I, I felt like she... And, and I, this may be a huge dig, but she, I felt like she was more trying to perform in like a Anchorman type humor movie where it was like very dramatic, sudden, like, you know, these very yeah. sudden movies. And it was... It just didn't fit with what was going on. It's like, almost like she was playing it straight so much that she forgot she was in a comedy. Like, she was so sullen and serious. But, yeah, yeah and it was in kind of this weird, stiff way. And she even had a huge opportunity at one point, if you see the film, where she could have added a ton of humor in, you know? Mm-hmm. And she didn't – it doesn't – she just totally didn't do it. Mm-hmm. It was her, like, moment to shine, didn't do it. And then in, in – sort of the last part of the film not not entertaining well, and she's and she's kind of has this i don't know what that look is but kind of like glowing sure look and that didn't just so well that sort of weird. ties into the, the the story kind of blah. like when the story's all said and done she kind of gets the last little monologue wrapping up what happened in the story and i was like oh well yeah. okay again it wasn't terrible but I definitely felt it was a little bit weaker in that. But there's so much humor and so much charisma between the two main characters and absolutely the daughter who, without her, this movie would be a lesser movie, dead. I think. Pretty sure this movie would be pretty dead. Just, uh, yeah, had a real good time with this. I'm excited no, to see it, it again. I it was hysterical. Mm-hmm. I really did. What would you rate this, though? I'm going to give it a solid 8.5 out of 10. Again, those story elements dragged it down a bit, and uh, one performance was kind of tied in with that. So, uh Eight point five from this guy. How about you? I'd give it a seven point five. Oh, okay. Out of ten, I did. I thought it was. I thought it was really solid. I didn't like the ending. There were spots here and there I wasn't horribly wild about, but again, just I thought it was a really entertaining movie. Mm-hmm. Really, really funny throughout. Yeah. It was. I saw it with my wife Amanda mm-hmm. and and you, and we were all cracking up pretty much the whole time. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I haven't laughed this hard in a movie in a long time. And there was like one or two scenes where when I was driving home and even when I was driving to work this morning, I was remembering and just laughing to myself. So there's one moment in particular. It was just the dumbest crap ever. I don't want to say what it is, but it, it involves a character swearing in front of a character who clearly doesn't like hearing swear words and she reacts. It was priceless. <laughs> oh, was my priceless. God. It was the funniest thing I had ever seen. It's uh <laughs> And nobody else in the theater was laughing. I was yeah. like, what is wrong with you people? That was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good film, though. Oh, recommend I a, it. I had a blast with it. Good one to see in theaters, too, I think, just because of the the style and the outfits and the music. It's just a colorful and loud movie. Yeah. 70s, man. Yeah. So on to our, our high-priority news item. Uh, Sam Mendez mm-hmm. is out. As the Bond director, mm-hmm. very shocking news, um, and also, and I, I dug into this a little bit. Daniel Craig, potentially also out as well. Potentially, right? Which is those are two big, and for the Bond series, usually, I mean, there's been a lot of you know births and deaths in terms of the directors, but 
This would be pretty big if they changed the director and the Bond. Mm -hmm. I think looking back in Bond history, I don't think it was super common for the same director to do more than one movie. Mm -hmm. So Sam Mendes had done the last two. He did Skyfall, which was hugely popular, and Spectre, which by all means was a hit, but it was not as well received, even though I, I liked Spectre a lot better than Skyfall. I just thought I it did was, too. I thought it was more of the classic kind of cheeky Bond, which is sort of what I like, but... uh. I'm not super surprised to see that he's not in for the next one, but man, I'm really pumped to see who like is Craig going to return as Bond or who's going to do it next. What do you think should happen? What do you think about the? I like the rumor mill concept of Idris Elba. Oh well, he's not doing it, and I, he's not going to do it. I he's doing the Dark Tower that, stuff, but so. I don't know who who could really who could play it. I mean, there's um, Tom Tom Huddleston. Tom Hiddleston, he's like the he is apparent he's apparently the favorite to do it if Craig doesn't. And uh, Tom Hiddleston plays Loki in Avengers and Thor. Uh, he was in a movie called High Rise recently. I mean, he's you, you'd probably recognize him. Just look up Tom Hiddleston, and uh, uh, he's apparently the favorite, which I I like him as a pick. I think um, another pick was who's the kid who played Billy Elliot? He's all grown up now. Jamie Bell. Yeah, he's apparently been. He apparently met with executives as a potential candidate, but uh, I mean, it could be anybody. I wouldn't be surprised if Craig officially, officially says, I'm not doing the next Bond movie. It really could be anybody. It could. There was even rumors that Gillian Anderson, who is a woman, wants to change the character to a female and be like Jane Bond or something and change that up, which would be interesting to see as well. That'd be interesting. To me, that's kind of shocking. You know, because his bond is male, but well, then right. that's what we're into these days. Is well, right, and I think the the thing with with 007 is you could really talk with fans about who is 007. Is it actually one person? Which in the last two movies, obviously, it was the same person, and of course, uh, with with you know Sean Connery, Roger Moore playing James Bond five six times. Um, Obviously, it was the same person, but the question always was, well, since they can change actors, is that really the same character? Or is James Bond, 007, the sort of family, or not family, the sort of um, title that's given to whoever gets the 007 thing? And that's what I kind of didn't like about Skyfall, is that it gave James Bond like a family. So that sort of took the mystique right. out of that, which was an element I wasn't crazy about. And I guess I didn't, I didn't actually observe that, because to me, Bond was... And I've I've seen every Bond movie from start to yes. finish, and I th I always thought it was like a rank you reached. Mm -hmm. That was always my concept. Was it was you know they had these secret agents, kind of not to draw a pair, uh, you know, a direct comparison with um, with Jason Bourne, but like mm -hmm. they have a secret program, and you reach this rank, you're like the best of the best, you get to be 007. Right. And sometimes he dies, sometimes he retires or mm -hmm. moves into the fields and does that whole thing, but. Yeah, to the fact that they actually gave him kind of like a family and a concept. It's a concept that had an expiration date on it. And yeah. Inevitably, when Daniel Craig can't do it anymore, you do one of two things. You either write that into the story and say that the next James Bond is his cousin or son or something stupid like that, or you just ignore it, which is what I hope they do. Yeah. Say, hypothetically, Tom Hiddleston gets hired to be James Bond. I hope the next movie they just say whatever none of that stuff matters anymore because it's never mattered up until the last couple of of movies with yeah you know all how many movies did craig do he did um casino royale quantum of solace skyfall inspector so he did four films yeah 
And they all very closely followed in plot up to the point where the villain in Spectre tied in all of the other movies together. Yeah. So, and I think I think his time's up. I think a lot of people are almost kind of not sick of him, maybe slightly sick of him, but I, I, I never liked him as a Bond, I'll be honest, because he was a little bit too emotional. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm kind of used to the, the Bonds as being kind of, not drones, but kind of like these, because that's the, kind of the concept of Bond, right? He's kind of this machine human being that who's sort of all all man right who can feel a little bit Maybe not necessarily all man but he's he's very pushed on sort of his hedonistic desires or he likes to drink he likes to you know sleep with women and all this stuff and you could easily if they would do a jane bond you could have those character traits in a woman obviously altered to fit you know a, a female character more appropriately that would be understandably james bond i think that would be interesting to see but I'm sort of on the same page with you with Daniel Craig. I think I, I get why they did it, and I get why people love him so much. Because there's a lot of people who think he's the best James Bond. I would disagree. I, I agree. I disagree as well. But I think after Batman and the Dark Knight, people wanted this more gritty, sort of anti-hero, serious character. Because that was sort of a trend, and we're sort of seeing that go away a little bit, I think. It's not working as much anymore. Um and, and to me, it always, while I enjoyed Daniel Craig as Bond, it just kind of felt a little tired to me. It kind of felt like, do we need to see this in this character? It doesn't really fit the character right now. And I, I get they're reinventing it, but it was never quite on point. So I hope whoever they do next, they bring some of that cheekiness back to it. Yeah. And my honest thought on who the next Bond is, is a few of the folks that were in, in the contingency for Han Solo. A few of them were British. Oh, yeah. They're brutally young. Taron, what's his name? Taron Edgerton. Yeah. Taron Edgerton. But he's got his own Kingsman, which is basically a Bond. bond. So you could... Because that movie, Kingsman, The Secret Service, was more like a Bond movie than any of Craig's Bond movies. But yeah, I think pumping a young British actor into it could might it might revitalize young, it though not too young because you can't go like you can't say like oh this person is 18 years old and they became james if that doesn't work out See, i always thought that i mean it's and this won't happen anymore it's just it doesn't quite add up but i always thought that clive owen would have been a better james bond he would have like, I, I thought he from uh pierce Bra- brosman 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 was the the bond before daniel craig right yes and i thought yeah clive owen was Oh, he would have been perfect. I know. I think about him in movies like Children of Men, Shoot 'Em Up. Uh, Great. Sin Children of Men, amazing. Sin it City. Sh- it shows yeah. how he could blend that more serious bond with something like uh, Shoot 'Em Up, where he's chewing on carrots and helping a woman give birth during a shootout scene. He, I, 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 that was just always something I thought. But, uh, you know, I get it because Craig really shook it up and maybe he breathed some life into a a character that a lot of people thought was getting a little tired. But seeing how this develops, it's going to be awesome. I think it's going to be a while before we see another James Bond movie. I think so, too. I think, honestly, and I do not mean this in in a sexist view in any way, shape, and form. I think if they did do a woman Bond now, Mm -hmm. I think it would crash. Think so? I think it would. I think that I don't think a lot of people could really wrap their head around that, given well, the the time and space that we're well, in. Well, right that now. I do agree. I do think that people wouldn't embrace it. No. Do I think it wouldn't be good? Uh, no. I bet. I bet you it could be awesome. Do, would we see controversy? Yeah, because people are stupid. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing is, you know, and again, we'll go back to the Hail Caesar reference, but mm-hmm. a lot of people didn't that grasp that film. A lot of people loved it. 
Mm-hmm. I think it's the same thing. There's just too much. Even the witch. Even that's the, a totally the different witch, genre and everything. It's it's too much for for people to wrap their head around because they want very straight. This is how it is. I don't necessarily think that. I agree. I agree, but I don't think that you can blame people because I think so many people are used to the movies that are popular being so sort of on the nose in terms of this uh, structure. And when you deviate from that at all, it throws people off. Like The Witch and Hail Caesar are great examples because The Witch was a horror movie that had no jump scares. It was all about atmosphere. It was all about that sort of classic horror movie feeling about just a folklore come to life. And people were bored by it. They didn't get it. I understand that, though, because how many people who had been to the movies in the last 10 years saw a movie like that? And then with Hail Caesar, when you see a movie with that much highbrow sort of referential humor and you're not used to that sort of thing, who do you blame? Do you blame the people who make movies and don't make movies like this? I don't want to say audiences are stupid because I don't think they are. I just don't think that there's enough diversity. And I think having um, a female James Bond character, I think it would be a, a, a really interesting thing. And I bet you that it could work. But yeah, people would freak out. Yeah. Whether it's right or wrong to do and that. And that might be even, that might be what they need. Maybe. I wouldn't Who say knows? no. I can see somebody like Emily Blunt pulling it off. I think Jillian Anderson from X-Files, she said she was interested. I can kind of see her doing it, although I think if she played, let's let's call it Jane Bond, right? I think she would be more ser- she would be more along the lines of Daniel Craig, right? Yeah. More more serious. Or what's her name from uh the Danish girl? Ooh, Alicia Vikander. I could that's a pretty prime spot. Yeah, she she's not be- quite and we'll we'll have to see rogue one but felicity jones in there mm. would potentially be great too. that'd be good I, I, there's so many talented see and that's the thing with james bond i i like to think of it that it's an open enough concept where you can do something like that yeah so i don't know well it'll be fun to watch it will but on to the um we talked about a movie that was very past its prime in terms of james bond onto the top five grossing movies in america by the numbers our weekly segment mm-hmm. this week i'll start it off Number five is uh, Neighbors 2, Sorority Rising from Universal. It grossed a total of $11.4 million, bringing its total gross to $40.6 million on a $35 million budget, so it's made its due. Yeah, and I've heard that's pretty good, too. I've heard it's, yeah, very funny. I enjoyed the first one, so I'm, I'm excited to see it. All right, number four is Captain America Civil War. Um, this is its fourth week. Uh, it made... About twenty million, almost on point. Twenty million this last weekend, uh, with a total domestic gross of three hundred seventy-seven million on a two hundred fifty million dollar budget, and it has grossed over a billion worldwide. Yeah, so it's doing very well, better overseas than it is. Yeah, her. So number three was uh, the Angry Birds movie from Sony, uh, grossed a total of uh, almost twenty-four point six million. Um, its total gross has been $72.2 million on a $73 million budget in its second week. This is another one of those kids' movies that will stick around for a while. So they'll, they're will they right at break-even. I'm sure they'll find it. Yeah, I think in, in, if you add in worldwide, it's probably done good business. And I, this seems like a movie, too, that's going to sell a lot of like Blu-rays and DVDs. It seems and like merchandise, too. And there's a big market for that. All right, number two is a new release, uh, Alice Through the Looking Glass, which made $33.5 million on a uh, $170 million budget. So uh, not great 
for that huge budget. Could be a flap alert. Could be a flap for sure. Um, kind of confusing why it's a flap too. I think maybe it's a question of when this was released because the first Alice in Wonderland was like a phenomenon. It was huge. I didn't think it was the greatest movie ever. I thought it was fine, but uh, it made a ton of money. And to see this not make that much, I don't know. Maybe maybe they released it at the wrong time or maybe people just weren't like they weren't into it. Yeah. I don't know. Could be. Well, I think the big reason that it didn't experience a lot of success because it released the same week as the number one film, X-Men Apocalypse, which grossed just under $80 million to 79.8. That is his total gross on a budget of $178 million. This will make its money back. This is a big, mm-hmm. big series. Popular or uh, in, in Europe and everything, too, mm-hmm. and China, I'm sure, as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. I, we were going to see it, but I think we both sort of agreed that we're a little bit behind the mark when it comes to X-Men. <laughs> that's the hard, And that's the hard part with this is you have to see – I might be wrong. We both might be wrong. I'm pretty sure you have to see the whole series for everything to kind of connect. There's X-Men 1, 2, and 3. X-Men Origins, Wolverine. Then they did The Wolverine. Then they did X-Men First Class, X-Men Days of Future Past, and X-Men Apocalypse. I think X-Men First Class was a prequel to the other movies. X-Men Days of Future Past was sort of a prequel and a sequel to the other ones. And I guess I haven't seen it. And I'm sure anybody listening to this who's interested has. But I guess that movie sort of does the time travel Star Trek thing where it eliminates the other stuff. And then this movie takes up right. So I need, I feel like I need to see them all before I see this one. Yeah. You know, that's why it's we decided a, it's not a tough to see series, it. So we didn't. So sorry, folks. Sorry. 10 out of 10. Best movie ever. 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 <laughs> all right. Well, anyhow, that's by the numbers. And when we come back, we're going to do our album of the week, Catfish and the. Bottlemen, the ride, and that you'll also be hearing music from I them. I spelled that wrong. I spelled Botman. Botman. Like Botfly. Catfish and the Botman. Oh. oh. Ale. Bum. I'm typing. All right. Well, anyhow, Weekly and Russell, we'll be right back with Album of the Week. Album of the week. Oh. It's here. It is. Take okay. it away, Ethan. All right. So our album this week is a band by the name of Catfish and the Bottlemen with their second full-length studio album called The Ride. Not a whole lot of background info to uh, fill you in here, but uh, they are a Welsh alternative and indie rock band. So, um, yeah, Nate, what did you think about this album? Well, I liked it. And I thought the reason I liked it is because when you look at like rock music today, there's kind of a, a continuum, and it's kind of the same reason horror movie isn't super like super popular in my opinion, is because you can really boil down every horror story to kind of the same couple elements with some twists in there. 
And I thought that this album was just a hair above the usual rock album, which usually has the same kind of, you know, continuum or path, but there's a few, you know, off paths here and there. Uh, but overall, I thought they were somewhat, and not to an extent that it was like over the top great, but I thought they were just a level above what everyone else is kind of doing. Again, but it wasn't super unique. I will, I mean, I'll get to my negatives on that. But how about you? Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I think that a lot of what this band is doing is sort of a, sort of a standard of what I'm thinking, just straight up regular rock and roll. They're, they're pretty much doing it right. But uh, I, I do th- I do agree that I think this is a bit above a lot of other groups that are just totally in one ear out the other because I think w- what's stronger here than what's on some other bands' albums is that they're, 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 there's some solid songwriting on here. I like a lot of the melodies with the big sweeping sort of just emotional hooks. There's a lot of Oasis and Weezer influence on here, I think, and that sort of draws me in. And while I do think that there are you know, three or four songs that I wasn't crazy about. Yeah, this is, I mean, it's it's a, it's a pretty quick listen. Mm-hmm. It's about 40 minutes long. Uh, pretty much every song on here outside of a couple are, are, are worth listening to. A couple really great songs. Uh, nothing terrible. But yeah, I mean, I, I, this is kind of a cool background album or one for a, a, a drive in a sunny day or something or in the background in a party. Right. But uh, yeah. And it's kind of it's tough for a rock band nowadays to like actually make an album, which is it's kind of surprising because you have to kind of step out or above the this um this the genre requirements, if you will. But um, I thought the the first three songs of this album were just rock solid. I thought okay. that they started really really well. Uh, they kind of droned a little bit from there with good spots here and there, but. Yeah, it's 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 almost like you have to separate these albums by like an inch, you know, which sure. is, is really it's it's hard to do. But it's again, I thought these guys are a little bit above what everyone else is doing. Yeah, and you know what? I I bet you if you, you sat down with these dudes and hung out with them, they I mean they they they're not trying to rewrite the book on how to do this, right? They're writing songs that clearly mean a lot to them. I hear passion in in the singer's voice. There's some decent uh production and recording on here some cool solos and, and some memorable songs so yeah i do think that they they are being real honest with what they're doing here they're not trying to blow anybody's head off with, with new crazy ideas or anything they're just kind of sticking to their guns but yeah I, I like the first two songs on here seven and twice especially twice i liked i actually didn't the third song on their soundcheck was one that i didn't like that much i thought it was kind of i don't know i guess i i don't know I, it just didn't stick out to me that much it, it wasn't a bad song, but it wasn't my favorite. But my favorite song on here was the song "Oxygen," which is one of the short, one of the shorter songs on here. But I, I don't know, I don't know. I just that song's stuck in my head the moment I heard it, and it's mm-hmm. got this really catchy melody. And I just feel like you, I could like picture myself in a concert hall with this band playing, everybody singing along with it. So that song really stuck out. Kind of oh, the song uh, "Glasgow" was kind of a the odd one out here, a little bit of a. a acoustic melody yeah type song which i enjoyed but uh yeah i thought it was i thought it was all right yeah and for me i i really like the the first three so seven twice and soundcheck to me it it was good up until they have kind of that downturn okay where they kind of it's kind of constantly going up and then down and up like a typical song does and then they go to this real low point where he's kind of like complaining about something like she's from a small town and it's that to me it just it didn't 
it, it, it like decreased like a re- it totally took away the potential of an awesome song sure and i think a, a lot of the lyrics on this album are about sort of typical rock and roll stuff you know relationships and partying i don't remember what song it was but there was one song that the lyrics kind of stuck out to me about how he was with this girl and he wasn't sure well he was like he liked her enough that well he was like well she doesn't like when i smoke cigarettes because she hates doesn't like my breath so i'll quit doing that but i don't really want to quit doing that mm-hmm. i kind of like some of that stuff back and forth it felt like it was really coming from a, a place of honesty and discovery in this whoever whichever band member writes the lyrics in this group i'm not sure yeah there's not but, a lot of information about them out there in terms of who no writes what. and i was actually going to ask you exactly how you sort of found these guys because i had never heard of them and I'm kind of in. I, I want. I'm definitely going to hear their, fir- their listen to their first album because and I, I recommend I, that because I listened to their first album, The Loft. Okay. E, what is it? The Balcony. The That's Balcony. what it is, okay. which I loved. Okay. I absolutely loved it. I listened to it because it sounded very different from anything I'd kind of heard from the. Was it more? Let me ask you this because one thing I f- I kind of felt when I was listening to this that would have made me like it more was if it was a little bit more. A little bit more raw, a little more cutting edge. Maybe Their a little first bit less. Album was a little was a lot more. Okay, they're not a lot. I shouldn't say a lot. It was it was raw. Because there was a certain polish to this album that it, it's not a bad thing for your recording to be this crisp and clear. But when you're doing this music in in a way that isn't necessarily pushing any boundaries, you can very easily fall like you were saying into this samey trap where all these bands sound the same. Yeah, and there were elements of that on here, and I felt like if they maybe went a little bit more lo-fi to took some notes from somebody like Ty Seagal, uh, really sort of turned up the reverb and stuff. It would, it would have improved some of these songs. Yeah. And they, I think they did in their, in their first album, but that's where I first heard about them. Cool. Awesome album cover on their first album too. It's I like this album cover too. It's an, it's the, I, I, I see how they're sort of following as a band. They're sort of following a theme where there are these plain black albums with these hand drawn pictures. And on this album, the ride specifically, uh, the cover, it's a, alligator biting its own tail yeah and they're first i'm looking i'm looking at a picture of their first album cover two people with their hands down their pants yeah it's a a man and a woman with no heads and they're just very simple sort of stick figures and they both have their hands down each other pants which is very funny um and i kind of like the irony of that and this cover too with alligator biting its own tail i don't know i kind of like that and uh it's humorous yeah, and, and I think that the music sort of fits it. There was, I did definitely see some potential for like a really awesome album from these guys. Oh, totally. And I, I don't think this was like, I think this was a step forward. Oh, okay. But I don't think it was a step backward. But yeah, they, they could definitely produce some amazing music. I, I, I get the sense. For sure. So what would you rate this though? One to 10. Well, again, I didn't love it. I thought it was kind of a fun listen, a couple great songs. Some I thought were a little dull, uh, I think they could definitely do a little bit more in terms of kind of just stepping up the energy and the rawness, but I thought it was solid overall. Not great, not terrible. I'm going to give it a 6.5 out of 10. Okay. And for me, I'd give it a square seven. Nice. So I thought, again, I thought they did a lot of stuff right. Uh, first album, I don't know that their first album was necessarily awesome, but again, they I felt like they were a little more safe with this one, but a lot of potential for this welsh band yeah i'm i mean i think to tomorrow i'm gonna listen to their first album and listen to this one a couple more times because uh, i think the first i only listened to this album four or five times but i think the first time i listened to it i kind of thought to my because just looking at the cover it made me think of that band we talked about the neighborhood yeah where i was like man that was 
boring and yeah. it wasn't for me and i kind of got the vibe of that the first time i listened to it but then i listened to it again and i was like no 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 this is way better than that these guys have a personality they got some solid solid lyrics and stuff i, I dug it yeah and i could totally be because it's been a long time since i listened to their first album because i literally listened to their first album the week it came out in 20, 2014 i think so what two years ago oh geez so long ago yeah but um it, they kind of had like a and you'll relate to this kind of like a japan droids vibe yeah that's one thing i was thinking of. like really gritty drum like simple know, yeah and that that's kind of the the feel i got from the first time if i remember it correctly you know what that's funny that you mentioned that because when i listened to this after i listened to it a couple of times i was like if these guys turned up the energy like three cranks up it would be like japan droids mm-hmm. for sure and if you don't know who japan droids are they're check awesome check them out they are re- really awesome <laughs> i think a lot of a lot of people would connect to that music yeah it's like the i don't you know we we're not going to talk about japan droids yeah. right now but it's just like amp you up yeah. Feel, feel awesome music level 11 turn it up to 11 dude why does it go up to level 11 no but um yeah good album i'd recommend it check it out mm-hmm. give them a listen again quick listen to 40 minutes mm-hmm. and you done but onto our high priority news items adele we can kind of brush through this one quickly but she signed a monstrous record deal you surprised not really because no. she's the biggest star in He's terms a star of music in the world. And world 130 million dollars um and she actually topped whitney houston's 2000 and this to me is kind of shocking so she tops whitney houston's previous largest deal ever in 2001 for 100 million dollars mm-hmm. now i know that streaming and everything is kind of yeah, taking something over. like inflation should maybe be thought about too yeah with that dollar amount because if you look at the like sports contracts in 2001 compared to now, sure they're bigger, mm-hmm. you know, because inflation happens. So mm-hmm. I was I was kind of surprised to hear that, but we don't know the details of it. So it could be two albums, it could be three albums, it could be. I get the sense, and this is just me thinking, uh, is that maybe it's it's not more than two albums, maybe three, because I know there was a lot of we, we talked about this how there was a lot of background stuff with Adele and how she had recorded an entire album and scrapped it before her her, her her most recent one which was obviously a phenomenon a huge 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 success and i get the sense that she you know her music is very tortured and all this stuff and i get the sense she isn't somebody who wants to sort of rush her music so that'll be kind of cool to see more details on yeah because i mean music deals a lot of people don't know a lot about them i i truly to be honest don't know a lot about them but it's it's limitless so mm-hmm. it's you have two or three albums and until you release those two or three albums and they're approved by the record label it's it's forever Mm -hmm. you know so and then this is not going to be an overnight thing where she gets paid 130 million dollars no but we talked about streaming onto a person who made made history (coughs) and it's pretty impressive when you really think about it chance the rapper he's literally self-made you know, mm-hmm. a lot of rappers say they're self-made, but he does not have a, a record label, so he's unsigned. Well, and just some info, Chance the Rapper. He is a Chicago-based r- rapper, yep, hip-hop artist, who sort of hit it big in the last two or three years. Uh, is a, He has a very sig- sig- uh, individual, singular sound, where there's lots of soul, rock and roll sort of yeah. crazy influences. 
And that's what kind of makes this even more amazing. Continue. Just wanted to throw some yeah, details. Yeah, and that's why I'm saying this is a total, total phenomenon. But this week, uh, his new, or last week, I should say, his new album, Coloring Book, which we've both listened to, um, debuted at number eight on the Billboard 200 chart, um, which made him the first ever streaming-only album to reach that peak and debut at that high mark. But on top of that, he's unsigned, which is when you think about it, kind of doubly a phenomenon. I guess my only question with that was, what about Kanye West's album, The Life of Pablo? Did that not chart? That charted. Because that wasn't, that was only streaming. But didn't they have to take in some crap with title in or yeah. something? Yep. Okay. And and it was, this was just streaming only. Okay. You know what? Because you could, you could buy The yep. Life of Pablo. And yep. this album, you cannot purchase, you can only stream it yep. or download it from a streaming service. And it's only through it was only through Apple Music for the debut, mm-hmm. which is even again another layer of. And again, I, this to me is is mind is kind of mind boggling, but makes me kind of think. You know, there's a lot of hope out there in the world because his sound is very unique and very deep and, and very super, soulful. It's and, positive, which I yeah. think is what I attracts me to Chance the Rapper's music is that it's so positive and there's a surprising amount of uh you know religious lyrics a lot of talk about god and faith and stuff on this album and the fact that people are embracing that when a lot of people our age reject stuff like that just flat out uh the fact that he can do it in a tasteful way in a way that you you can understand and hear and do it in this gospel hip-hop album that's unlike really anything i've heard it's just it's crazy yeah it's crazy that he's so popular like that. And we had the honor of seeing him in concert in October. Yeah. Which was fantastic. Which, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And I, I think a song of his, which is a, a past song, but like Sunday Candy, mm-hmm. like a lot of, if you listen to that song and, and read the lyrics, it's literally about him going to get candy with his grandma. On Sunday after on they Sunday. go to church. Yeah, and it's <laughs> like, who else is rapping about this and actually making it relative to the the modern listening public? I don't think anyone could really pull off what he's doing. And it's literally in that song specifically, and a lot of songs on Coloring Book, it's a trombone and a trumpet and a pianist and a drummer. It's very, very organic, real music happening. It's not all... I mean, there are on this, on Coloring Book, there are certainly more traditional hip-hop type songs, but he blends these things together and he, he doesn't want to abandon those roots like that. And he's doing it in a way that people are clearly latching onto, which is great. Yeah, amazing. Really, he's a, he's a really kind of an amazing. inspiring guy. Yeah, when you when you hear about his story, and I don't th- I don't, he didn't necessarily have a super rough upbringing. No, but he, just the fact that he's what he stands for in Chicago, which is a city that's going through some hard times. Yeah, and he's a sort of shining light for for you know a lot of the violence and sort of financial trouble that Chicago is going through. I think he's a he's a great influence for younger people too. He's all about family and you know loved ones and respecting your your family and all that stuff. Yeah, which is great. And to also kind of go away from that common thread of like a signed artist, you know, or a record deal, you know, mm-hmm. that whole thing to achieve success. Amazing. Really cool. But what are you obsessed about right now? I've been again, man. I, I and this is a total pun. Don't care. I sound like a broken record because I've been into records again. Just reorganizing my collection. I, I've been buying more records lately. In the last couple of weeks, I've bought a bunch. 
cleaning them, getting, making sure I have sleeves for everything, making sure my, my uh, collection on discogs.com, which is a website for, uh, you know, your collect, your record collection, like blu-ray.com would be for your movie collection. I'm making sure that's organized and up to date. And I've just been kind of focused on that. And I've been into listening to records with my headphones on, which is uh, something I haven't done for a while. Well, I like to sit in my desk at home put on a record and pl- put my nice Sony MDR headphones on and sit and listen to it and read the lyrics along to it. It feels nice to do that. It's very relaxing. It is. Well, depends I, on, and I don't listen depends to on records. What you, depends on what you listen to. Them. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> How about you? Uh, I don't know. You got nothing? I, got, I haven't really been too obsessed with anything lately. Work? I've been busy working, Ugh. beer. I was oh. obsessed with getting some... So I'm I'm going to say I should this is actually an obsession I I shouldn't say nothing so I'm going to San Diego in like September for a wedding my best friend Seth's getting married and I shout actually out. shout, shout out, out to Seth what's up buddy how you doing I, I know met you listening. twice hey Seth we've hey, met dude, we've met but no in San Diego is the best damn beer shop which is, is that like, like the name of the place yeah and it's the predominant like craft beer store that you can go to and get stuff and. I've been trying to figure out if I want to ship stuff back, but I'm trying to figure out what they'd have there that I'd. Dude, be you're eating. gonna find a thousand things you can't find here. Or there, you know that. Yeah. And you're gonna want all of it. So. I you're just gonna have a semi. You can have a semi pull up in front of your house, and it's just a, it's all beer. Just cases upon cases of beer. Yeah, and so I'm just trying to figure out what they'd have around that time too, because it's a seasonal deal too. It's it's mm-hmm. real. So I've been looking into that. That's cool. But yeah, the, the stockade will get bigger. Are you going to ever drink any of that stuff? I did. I drank the Rogue that oh, you gave right. me. Because Nate has a, for people who aren't sitting in this room, which is everybody except for me and Nate, uh, he has a, a collection of bombers, which are, it's a 22 ounce bottle of beer. And they're just, there's more of them every time I come over here. Drink them. Yeah. I think I've got nine. And then I've got my bottles and stuff. Yeah, I know. There. I'm going to steal one of your habanero sculpins <laughs> one of these days. They're all going to be gone. And I've, I've always wanted to smoke a cigar and drink one of those because I feel like that'd be a really unique. Sitting in a hot tub. Sitting in a hot tub. <laughs> doing. Uh, or watching like Scarface or something. With a machine gun. Or The Godfather. And then doing like have a bottle of sriracha that you randomly just squirt into your eyeball. <laughs> Pain and suffering oh. is the way. Uh crazy episode this has been drive yeah next episode i feel like we went on longer than normal just because we we didn't record less by a whole lot no okay but about three minutes extra well next week we we have our movie picked out right we do we're gonna watch the lobster oh and that was on my at least i don't remember if it was on yours it was on my top 10 of last year but it's just now getting a wide a wide 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 release and it's actually i cannot believe that it's playing in the theater by my house I, I hope there's a bunch of old people in there. I'm going to sit right by them just so I can hear their reaction to this oh, movie. Yeah. Cuz I'm going to go see it again cuz I want to see it in, in the theater. And um but this is a movie if you <laughs> if anybody knows what the lobster is, it is out there. It is a weird movie. Go watch the trailer. It's what we're going to talk about next week, but it is a freaking weird art house movie that's hilarious and strange and I hope I see people walk out of the theater because it's the kind of movie where people walk out of the theater. John C. Riley's in it. He has, He if sticks his wanna, hand in a toaster while he while he see him does things. Very, it's it's an interesting film. Yeah. But so I, we're gonna do that next week. So it'll probably be animal theme. 
Animal Fish. 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 Maybe some Ballast Point beer. Maybe we can listen to the band Fish. Ooh. P-H- I Hopefully it's not the 59 song album or whatever that is. That's great. Felt dead, you noob. You noob. That's what I am. I'm not into this stuff. Different band. No, we can do fish. We're done. I'm leaving. That's it. Mike's gone. Walking away. What's going to be a solo podcast? I'm back. Now you're back again. No, we'll listen to some kind of album that involves animals, which there's there's a ton. Yeah. We We can can listen to the album Animals by Pink Floyd. That's a good album. I'd like that. We might have just found it, but we'll probably look for a newer album just because yep. that's fun. Just too. to keep you young youngsters entertained. <sighs> Never heard of Pink Floyd back when I was your age. Right. Pink Floyd was my favorite band. He's like way before they were like way before. He, I was going to say he, them, them, they. I mixed up my descriptive group. <laughs> the collective, you know, the royal. We. The royal. All right. Well, it's been fun, everybody. This has been the drive episode. One last time, I am Nate. And I am Ethan. And everyone, please take care.